Hello, I'm Evan Novi Williams. And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast, where we... Oh my God, you said it. I did, I did, just because Scott's not here. (laughs) We we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Scott is out, so when the cat's away, the mice will play. (laughs) Uh, Evan and I will uh, take you through some things today. we got to start. It has been a wild start to NBA free agency, and I'm so sorry to put it this way, but the two words I think of with the New York Knicks, spontaneous combustion. Yeah, because I, I don't understand how this just blew up like this. Yeah, there are, there are certainly some winners and losers in the first you know twelve hours of, of NBA free agency. Uh, the Knicks are not on the winners column, and we'll get to that in a second. But first, I'm going to hit you with some numbers. Uh, in the first six hours of, of NBA free agency, forty agreements were reported to be agreed to, two point seven three billion dollars of salary. Given out, including six hundred and twenty-three million uh, just for next season alone. That's your kind um, of money, man. Some Twitter, NBA, obviously trending all across Twitter. Three point eight million tweets in those first six hours about various deals, including KD and Kyrie going to the Nets. You know, the D'Angelo Russell over to Golden State. A few other big deals that we can talk about. Um, but no question that from a top line standpoint, uh, this is a banner day for the NBA in terms of just its popularity and its ability to dominate sports headlines during a time when there are no games. Now, Kemba Walker, he's going to the Celtics. Uh, but that means that uh, we mentioned one already about Kyrie Irving leaving. Mm-hmm. And Al Horford is leaving. There is rumors that he's going to Philadelphia. Yep. So, I mean, this is all what – I, what I still do not get – God bless you, Knicks – how how did they come out uh, with the Ziggy? Yeah, so we can discuss that for for a second. This looks bad for the Knicks for a number of reasons. Um, principally because the team that made the biggest splash is you know the the second sibling in 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 the New York area, right? Yeah. The, the the Brooklyn Nets moved to. Uh, they moved to Brooklyn from New Jersey in 2012. You know, they haven't been particularly good. They've had some actually downright terrible years. Uh, and they have always been second fiddle in this city. You know, the the, the Knicks, uh, they play in, a you know, the most famous arena in the world, as they call it. Um, you know, they are the, the richest and most valuable team in, in, in basketball. They've always been this dominant force, you know, and, and the Knicks and, and the Nets. And we had Sean Marks, the GM, on the podcast a couple weeks ago, right? And we talked about this, right? right? Like the, the, the things that they're trying to do to kind of increase Croach a little bit into New York Knicks territory. Uh, this seems like the biggest thing they've done, right? This is at a time when, and this is the thing that that, that gets me. The Knicks had everything in their favor, right? They had a ton of cap space. They got a high draft pick. They took R.J. Barrett from Duke. Um, there was excitement about him. Everything seemed to be lining up well. And then free agent starts, and not only do the Knicks come up essentially empty-handed, but the the principal rival in their market is the one that makes the <laughs> hole. Yeah, so what does Jim Dolan do now? I mean, there's still there's still still free agents out there, right? You know, so there are a number of big names that have yet to announce. Kawhi Leonard, certainly the big one there. Um, I don't know if you saw, but Steve Mills, who who runs the Knicks, put out a statement yesterday, yeah. essentially addressing the frustration yeah. that Knicks fans <laughs> were feeling. Um, it's not a. This is an indictment of where the Knicks are as a franchise. Sure, they're the most valuable team in the NBA. They probably have next to the Lakers, the biggest global brand recognition. Uh, But players don't seem to want to play there, right? There there was a time when winning an NBA title at Madison Square Garden for the Knicks was was thought of to be the dream for any basketball player, right? That was the pinnacle of, of what you could achieve on an NBA court. And it just doesn't seem, at least not right now, 
that that the best players in the world are feeling that way about the Knicks. Now, just keep in mind, too, we should add now, if you're not an NBA fan, yes, Kevin Durant uh, is part of this mix, but he's going to be out. He might be out for that entire season because he picked up that uh, Achilles tendon uh, injury in the last was it the last game of the Golden State Warriors? The second to last, second I believe. To last, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a good point. So, so yeah, K- KD won't be won't be dressing for the for the Nets next year. Um, but and and again, at the time will tell whether this was a good deal for the Nets in terms of a basketball decision. But from a business decision, especially given their relationship in their home market with the dominant Knicks, this seems like a pretty massive, massive deal. And you know, the, if you work in sales for the Brooklyn Nets, you know, in terms of ticket sales, you know, merchandising. I imagine yesterday, Christmas this weekend, right? When <laughs> when you found out that, oh man, two of the best teams in the league are, are, are coming here. All of a sudden, that black and white logo, man, is going to be dancing all over the place. I like yeah, it. and and I I don't know, did what did you were you able to avoid any of this over the weekend? I mean, to me, it was like the, the this, news just kept this was bigger. I, I know we got to move on, but this to me was bigger than the NBA draft itself. I was like, "Wow!" I agree, and and we talk a lot about the how the NFL is this 365 league, right? That that even when NFL games aren't happening, there's so much attention about the NFL, and and the NBA certainly is not as popular as the NFL, but the NBA is reaching this point where. Big tentpole events, whether it's the start of free agency, whether it's the the draft, as you mentioned, are becoming these huge, huge media and social phenomenons. And that's great for the league. We have to talk about and give it up for the uh, U.S. women's soccer team. They are going to play in the semifinal, well, for our date uh, tomorrow. Uh, they'll play against England because they beat France. Whew, that, was a, that was a tough game, by the way, I might add. Yeah. Yeah, so beat beat France in the quarterfinals, playing England on Tuesday in the semifinals. Uh, this tournament continues really across the world, but here in the U.S. especially is getting more and more buzz. Right, the 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 ratings are are very good. That that France game drew three, uh, six point three million viewers across digital and TV. Of that, the majority obviously six point one million on TV on Fox. To kind of put that in perspective, it's the most watched women's World Cup quarterfinal ever. It's the most watched soccer game in the U.S. since the men's World Cup final last year. Right, so that that's a big number. Um, and moving forward, I'd imagine this game on Tuesday against England will get even more. Which brings up the next point. Uh, it used to be that uh, you would bundle the women's soccer games with the men. So you had the men, and then they say, okay, and we'll throw in the women also. And now experts are wondering, hey, you know what? I think the women can hang on their own. Yeah, it's funny. So you're right. The 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 bid, the bid that Fox made to, to grab the English language rights to the to the World Cup, men's World Cup, included the women's World Cup. Right. You know, and for a long time that was kind of seen as a as a throw in. Uh, probably less so now. You know, the 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 women's final in 2015 against Japan drew 25 million viewers. It's the most watched English language soccer game ever. Right. So suddenly it's not maybe not as much of a throwaway when when, when the U.S. team is, is advancing to the finals and they're outdrawing any game ever that, that a men's World Cup has had here in the U.S. Um, and, 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 the, and the FA, you know, the group that runs soccer out in England, they're currently exploring this very topic. Right. The idea of, hey, maybe we break off all the, the, the broadcast rights for the women, 
Maybe we sell them as a separate package. Maybe we're at a point right now where that's more valuable to us than bundling them together. This used to be back in the day when they used to sell 45 records. The, uh, you remember that? And you had the <laughs> A side and the B that. side. I, I know, man. This is this is long ago. And this is now like all of a sudden the B side is just as good as the A side. Yeah. And it, we, we talked with Christine Lilly last week about a lot of these topics. And we can touch on merchandising actually for a second because Mark Parker, you know, who runs Nike, said on their earnings call last week, this women's home jersey, the the white women's home jersey, right. is the is the highest selling jersey they've ever had in a single year, men's or women's, right? So so not only are women delivering here in ratings, they're delivering from a merchandising standpoint. If you go to Nike.com right now, the women's jersey is sold out. They also sell the women's jersey in a men's cut, which they did. Shout out to my colleague Ira Boudway, like who it. essentially. Got, you know, he wrote about it five years ago, got Nike to change its policy so that it would sell women's jerseys in a men's cut. That jersey is also sold out. Um, there's a tremendous amount of support here right now for what the women are doing. The question I have for you is, does it translate into bigger business opportunities moving forward? Oh, yeah, because I was just going to say, for now, i got to go on the black market to get my Megan Rapino <laughs> jersey. Because, I, I, I mean, it's it, it, that's I've always wondered why that didn't happen sooner because yes you see all the jerseys for the guys uh baseball and football and then you would see it in the in the women's cut and this or that and now you're seeing it seeing in, reverse. in the reverse yeah and, I, like and I know i know people that you know the, the big difference between the jersey designs are a little different but the big difference between the two is that you know you get a star on your jersey for every world cup you win right so the, the u.s women's jersey has three stars over the crest and the u.s men's jersey has no stars over the crest um so certainly <laughs> i do i do know people that would prefer to wear the jersey of the of the U.S. team that wins versus the U.S. team that doesn't uh, doesn't often doesn't even qualify, you know, for the for the World Cup. If you're talking the most recent one, um, but you know, we're seeing you know a number of big names. Alex Morgan has always been a huge name. Right. Megan Rapino, who has been a star on this team for a while, but maybe not you know top tier famous. I think is coming into her own right now. You know, whether it's you know attention she's getting for you know pride. You know, Pride Day was was this weekend across right. a number of, of countries. She's outspoken on that. She's been outspoken about, you know, not wanting to go to the White House. She scored the last four goals, you know, that iconic photo of her with her hands up. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, but I saw that one. What yeah. a fantastic sports photo. <laughs> um, she is kind of burgeoning into a big name star right now. I do think that, you know, even if they don't win the title in France in the next week, I think there's going to be a lot of commercial opportunity for these women moving forward. And finally, let's talk about gambling. You know I love to talk about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the number one state for the amount of cash bet on sports in May. I'm just going to let the audience kind of stew on this for a second. Take a guess. Tick, 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 tick. Time's up. Nope, it's not Nevada. It is New Jersey. Yeah, pretty milestone shift here. And, and and to be clear, I'm not sure if, you know, every month I don't think New Jersey is going to top Nevada. Um, but we're almost exactly a year into New Jersey offering sport, legal sports betting, um, both on mobile and at brick-and-mortar locations, racetracks around the state. Um, and, you know, in, in, Jul in May 2019, uh, they took $318 million in bets. Right. And, and and Las Vegas took three hundred and seventeen uh, million dollars in bets. Uh, so to me, it, it's just a perfect kind of encapsulation. This is the opportunity that exists for legal sports betting across the country if it's done in the right way, right? And when I say the right way, I mean mobile. 
Yes. You know, you live in Pennsylvania, yes. and and the mobile option isn't you know isn't fully up yet, and I imagine it's a it's a huge nuisance. It is, and 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 but see, I drive through New Jersey to get to Pennsylvania, so I want to place my bet. I'll just you know park the car, and it's like, oh okay, <laughs> let's see if the Tiger's going to lose another one, and then you know I'll make the bet, and then uh, and then move on. But once Pennsylvania gets it up and running for their app, mobile app. I'm wondering if New Jersey will see a hit because they, New Jersey gets Pennsylvania and New Yorkers, uh, the whole New York state. Yeah, I think that's a, re- a really good point. And I'm in the same boat as you are, right? I live in uptown Manhattan. And, you know, there are times when I've run across the George Washington Bridge um, to get into New Jersey. And, and, and once I'm over there, obviously, I can open the phone and bet. So New Jersey is definitely benefiting from spillover effects from people who live in Pennsylvania and live in New York, huge population areas um, who may be gambling in New Jersey on their way through. Um, another thing you see with Las Vegas or, or Nevada, you know, statewide, huge destination for big events, right? So if you right. look at the number, the, the monthly numbers in February when the when the Super Bowl happened, you know, Las Vegas or Nevada was way above New Jersey. If you look at March when March Madness happened, yep. um, again, Nevada way above New Jersey. So I think we'll continue to continue to see Nevada as the kind of the dominant state, at least now, when it comes to big events. But if you take a random month like May, where there isn't no, isn't a huge a lot a huge amount of stuff going on on the sports calendar, New Jersey certainly uh, certainly taking out uh, closing the gap there. And I think that if you're a legislator around the country, you know this is the kind of thing that maybe opens your eyes a little bit to the benefits of mobile, right? And and those are conversations that are happening state by state, and there's a lot of political and lobbying slash business uh, parts of that discussion. Um, but states, and we've seen it you know, in a handful of states already, states who legalize sports gambling but do not legalize the mobile portion are losing out on a tremendous amount of revenue and handle that way. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. I'm Michael Barr along with Evan Novi-Williams. We don't have Scott Soschnick this week. But we are here later in the week, every Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, exploring the world of money and sports. We miss you, Scotty. Right here on Bloomberg Business of Sports, Bloomberg Radio, around the world and online, wherever you get your podcasts.